you have to believe in your brand. You have to believe in what you say, and you have to believe in yourself. This is The Playbook, where I give you access each week to the world's greatest athletes and executives about their personal and professional playbook and what has made them champions on and off the field. This is The Playbook. I have a special guest, Stephanie McMahon, Chief Brand Officer of WWE, one of my favorites. In fact, my name is famous for WWE, but I'm the other David Meltzer. <laughs> I'm the entrepreneur. I was actually one. thinking about how I could promote this podcast, and I'm like, I'll have to put the other. <laughs> exactly. The other David Meltzer. Well, Stephanie, you know, you're running one of, to me, the greatest examples of branding uh, that's ever been created. You know, originally your father, obviously, and you have created a frequency. And I'm trying to explain to so many people today that you have to find your own frequency, that you have to build your own brand. Because, you know, when we all started business, you could not reach the whole world as an individual. You know, now the other <laughs> David Meltzer can put up his frequency and reach 4.4 billion people uh, if the videos are good enough and the content is rich enough or empowering you know, how can we find that frequency or voice today amongst all this chaotic noise that surrounds us? Well, and, and not just how can we find the frequency, but how, how do we tune it in, right? And, um, and apologies if you hear snoring, my 200 pound Mastiffs, two of them are in my room right now. And when they snore, it actually reverberates through the floorboards. So you so can good. hear it. <laughs> so if that's what you hear. I, I apologize. Hopefully nobody's thinking that it's just a, a boring interview with me. Um, feel free to snore away if that's the case. But I think um, in terms of breaking through the clutter, you know, that's that's one of the biggest challenges. And, and I think it's it's such a challenge for marketers today. Um, but do you are you speaking more from a personal standpoint or from a business standpoint? Well, you know, I think I'd like to know your your understanding between the two, if there's differences for each, if you want mine, because you do so well sure, within absolutely. your sport with the brand itself and then personal brands within the context of that as well. So I think more and more companies, um, I think audiences and consumers are looking to who the leadership in companies are. It's not just the brand itself. It's the brand, it's what it stands for, and it's who's behind the brand. And I do really think that that matters. And I think it didn't matter as much 10, 20, 30 years ago, um, but I do think that matters now. And I think in terms of finding your frequency, you have to first and foremost contact your audience, your fans, your consumers, where they are on the platforms that they prefer to consume, right? So, you know, and whatever time of day they prefer to consume it. Um, but the content that you create needs to be customized for each platform because one size doesn't fit all. Um, you really need to understand the needs of those that you're reaching. And I think authenticity is critical. You have to believe in your brand. You have to believe in what you say, and you have to believe in yourself, right? Those are, those are very important aspects, I think, of, of finding your frequency and generating that authentic connection to your audience. And you guys do such a great job over four generations. It's truly a legacy. I compare it to, I joke around about Walt Disney. I said, you know, I go on to YouTube and there's 470 million views of the Mickey Mouse Club uh, and you know 470 million. And I think about 
what was in Walt Disney's mind when he created, you know, the first Steamboat Willie, black and white whistling mouse? Could he ever imagine that brand? And, you know, even more than an animated uh, series like Disney and, and what it grew into, you deal with real people. Um, and I remember I was with Hulk Hogan, ironically, at Joel Osteen. We, we were together and, and we were talking about wrestling being real. And he said, look, the outcome's determined, but it's real. You know, he goes, <laughs> this stuff is real, Dave. And it gave me a whole new great perspective of what you'd done. But how have you created that legacy? Because, you know, the technology has changed. People's idea of what's real or not real and entertaining and not entertaining. Yet you guys just keep growing and building your brand, even though people could play Fortnite instead or some video game but you know they can't get enough of you and your brand well may that continue um and you know i think it's really it's the legacy that that my father has really built right and um and i have the privilege of having the opportunity to help continue that legacy um but i think you know we are competing with everything that's out there i think you know that's all of us are we're competing for share of time right um, and there's so many different content offerings or games or whatever it is. And you have to make sure that your content is, you know, resonates, that it's meaningful. Um, I think that, you know, it, 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 you have to give people a reason to tune in, right? And, and when they do tune in, you have to reward that. Um, you want to over deliver on their expectations, no different than a business partner, right? You know, someone who's doing business with you and they partner with you to reach your audience, you want to over deliver for them. Well, the most critical audience is your fan base and you want to listen to them. You want to engage with them. You want to respond to them, show them that their voice matters. I actually think it goes so much further than engaging with your audience. I think it's actually empowering your audience you know, and letting them know that their voice matters and that they have an impact. Um, that I think is one of the things that WWE has done since the get-go. And yes, there are fans who will say that we don't listen, but trust me, we are listening. Um, creatively, everyone has their own opinions, um, but whether it was the live event audience, you know, before social media was even invented, um, with that live event audience giving us their real-time feedback, almost like a, a focus group every single night, right? What they like, what they don't like, and what they don't care about, which is just as important, you know, to know what is not resonating. So you don't continue to push down that path. Yeah, it's really interesting, too, because growing up with WWE myself, it was one of the first kind of brands that allowed you know, what we call today haters, right? They, they encourage people to boo. They, they want yes. what you think. And, and I, you know, I tell people all the time, you got to illuminate that anyone, you know, on all the trolls that I get, I literally, I give them my cell phone. I'm like, why are you so angry? Here's my cell phone. Give me a call. Let, let's discuss. I, or I appreciate, you know, there's some really mean things people say, especially if you look like this. Right. So I'm like, here's my cell phone. Give me a call. And I almost learned that from how you guys illuminate and you almost branded yourself by people that were like booming and, and angry. You know, what, what's the secret of illumination in, in accepting the haters today? You know, it's one thing to get booed at in the stands at a live event, but I mean, I'm sure there's just some very opinionated trolls out there that love to share their opinion. 
Well, from a business standpoint, you know, I portray a heel, right, or a villain, um, you know, as a character, and and I encourage the booze and and all the haters. And quite frankly, from a storytelling perspective, I find the antagonist a million times more interesting than the protagonist. But when you consider that basic format, right, whether it's a, a book, a movie, a, a, an opera, ballet, it is protagonist versus antagonist with conflict resolution. It's the most basic form of storytelling that there is. In WWE, our conflicts are settled inside the ring, right, with some of the greatest live action that you could see in sports or entertainment, in my opinion. Um, but of course, you want to encourage um, the haters, I guess, in, in that aspect, because you want them to root for the good guy. You want them to root for the, the hero. And the only way you're gonna do that is by presenting the biggest, baddest, most offensive villain that you possibly can. So you can cheer, you know, the good guy. And um, how that, you know, parlays into other brands and businesses, I, I think you can't look at it as haters, right? I think there's in storyline there, there can be haters and, and encouraging the negativity. I think from a business standpoint, you want to look at it as constructive feedback, right? And some of it you have to disregard because it's not constructive at all. But most of the time, I think people are trying to give an opinion of something they'd like to see change or improve. Um, and so if you can, it's very hard to do, particularly when you're an individual reading something that is directed at you. Um, and it's hard not to be emotional about that, but you have to try to parse through the way it's written and try to get to, to the heart of what someone is really trying to say. And you guys do that so well. The, the other interesting thing is you were one of the first people to promote your athletes. You, you know, like the other leagues, the stick and ball, the, uh, the traditional sports, they were, were very keen back when, I know a lot of people may not be as old as me, but it was all about the team. You never promoted an individual player. And you were really the creators of that. And even in a similar space, you know, Dana White's not known for, for empowering his athletes in uh, brand, you know, you are so abundant about, you know, all tides rise, everyone, you know, where did that abundant attitude, number one, come from? And how important it is, are those individual brands to the whole of WWE? Well, I think one of the things, you know, that we understood very early on is it's star power. Right. It's about the attraction. It's about the draw, um, whether you're going to a live event or you're trying to drive television ratings or social media engagement or whatever it is, you have to have the star power. Um, so for us, you know, we we try to amplify the individual stars so that we can create the biggest moats around them. Um, they need to have individual voices. They they need to be their own personas. Um, and I think now in the digital and social age, you know, the audience wants to engage with these stars on a personal level. Like, I, I know you play, you know, this particular character, but, but who are you in real life? You know, do you have dogs? Do you have cats? What do you like to eat? Like all this stuff, because people want to relate. You know, I, I think um, at the end of the day, the audience might not relate to a brand, right? To the WWE or whatever other league, but they might want to relate to a team or they might want to relate to the individual stars. And I think more and more you're seeing that in the media space, whether it's content creators on TikTok or, or Twitch, 
Um, you know, you see these, these consumers and people really getting behind these content creators and influencers individually because they relate to them um, in, in whatever way, you know, and, and I think it's, it's different ways for every person. But if you can create that opportunity for engagement, you know, then the rising tide will really will raise all boats and, and use that expression earlier, but it's, but it's true. Yeah. And, you know, one of the other things I had the great interview with uh, Lindsay Snyder, she's the CEO of In-N-Out Burger, and which was a multi-generation, at least in Southern California and all of California now, Western, Western. Henry. Very familiar with the In-N-Out Burger. Yes. Yeah. So, uh, <laughs> but when I was, you know, thinking about interviewing you, I was like, I, one of the most interesting things I learned is everyone has in business family pressure, no matter mm. who you are, I don't care what your job is, but when you go to work, there's family pressure at work and there's always this conflict. Now, some people have more than others because they work with family, they've been handed down from family. There's a bunch of different issues. So I would love for you to share with us, number one, do you feel family pressure? And if so, how do you deal with it? Um, yes, I feel family <laughs> pressure all the time. I work for my father and with my husband. Um, <laughs> And, you know, we have three kids, three girls, they're 14, 12, and 10. And, um, you know, and of course, all of my bigger extended family, right? Like there's, you know, my nephews and, and my sister-in-laws, you know, and because uh, my husband has a sister. And then, of course, my husband's wife, my husband's, sorry, my brother's wife. And, um, you know, I think especially for women, uh, the pressure is that much stronger because women are typically the nucleus of the family, you know, we're, we're the ones gathering everyone, we're responsible for the holiday gifts, we're responsible for cooking the dinners a lot of times and not in every household. But, um, you know, so I, I think that there is, you know, and, and they run the household, right? So, so there's, it depends on how you define family pressure. Um, but I think there's pressures on all of us, you know, from our personal and professional lives. Um, from the standpoint of family business, you know, it, it can be really challenging to, to work with family. I think especially because you can take each other for granted. You can assume you know what the other person's thinking. You can, um, you know, not show up the way you want to in a meeting with your, you know, family counterpart there for whatever reason. Um, but I think the, the positive aspect is, is shared passion. You know, when you share a passion and a drive for something so much stronger than than anybody else, that that's quite a unique bond. And, you know, passion fuels emotion, which is where some of those other aspects can play in. But um, I think when you have a shared passion, a, a shared vision and a shared goal and drive that um, that trumps, you know, any of the challenges. Quick question, because I have three daughters. I do have a 10 year old son. So someday I'll All right. the kids together. He's much yes. more handsome than his dad. So anyway. Would you quit knocking question. yourself? <laughs> yeah. But real quick question, because I got to ask this. Do you, because I, I worked with my dad for a, li a, li a little bit when I was younger. And every time he said something to me, it was like a stake through my heart. And yeah. I always wondered, like, if I worked with my family, if I had the enough humility to be able to, to take what my dad was saying constructively and not hurt my feelings do you ever do you ever get your feelings hurt still or of course, of course I do. oh yeah oh yeah <laughs> you um, being his daughter 
it's it's hard you know um <laughs> it's actually interesting i i will tell uh i will tell a story um with one of our our wrestling personalities uh paul Heyman actually said to me one time because i was really upset uh over something that had happened with my dad as my boss and it really hurt and and my dad told me when i first started working for him he said look you can't take it personally I'm going to be harder on you. I'm going to say things that are going to hurt your feelings. You can't take it personally. This is all business, right? Easier said than done. Yeah. But so there was this one particular incident and, uh, and it just rocked my world. And Paul Heyman said to me, you know what, Steph, this is so good. And I said, why is this so good, Paul? And he said, because if you can stand in a room and look Vince McMahon in the eye and go toe to toe with him on whatever opinion it is you're trying to share, anybody else pales in comparison. And I thought, well, that's a really interesting perspective. And, uh, and he said, he's training you that way, which I don't know if that's true or not, but I do know I am not very easily intimidated by anybody other than him. Uh, my dad, not Paul Heyman. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think my daughters, I think, share. I have a 21, 19, and 16-year-old girls. And wow. the two older ones started to work with me a little bit while they're in college. And they learned the other side of their dad's personality. Yeah. One fought back really hard. The other just completely acquiesced and went home crying, telling my wife, I'm the meanest human being ever. The, oh, other, used no. the, the other used the F word at me and laughed. Uh, literally. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. How great, though. Right? Two different, yeah. The, the middle one could be a wrestler. Anyway, what great playbook to say. Such a <laughs> marketer and brander and just so charming. We are blessed to have you. Thank you so much for joining us and sharing your stories and your playbook to success. 